This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. She'll lift you up and empower you to help your child and your family thrive. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I'm excited in this episode to be talking again to Natalie and Allison, and we are going to be talking about helping your disorganized teen with ADHD, um, different strategies and tools and conversations that we should be having with our kids in order to really help them overcome some of those um, really big struggles with planning and organization. Thanks for being here again, ladies. I so appreciate it. Will you start by introducing who you are and what you do? Sure. Thank you so much for having us, Penny. We're happy to be back. Um, I'm Natalie Burrell. Um, By training, I'm a school psychologist and I'm also an academic life coach. And that means that I get to work with teenagers, um, both individually and in small groups, on some of the life skills uh, that we know are so important for teenagers. that aren't necessarily taught directly in schools, I get to work with teenagers on developing those skills and reaching their goals. Awesome. And I am Allison Grant. I am a family consumer science teacher. Most people know it as HOMAC, um, but I am also a licensed administrator and school counselor um, by day (laughs) or by training. And then um, I also have the privilege of being an academic life coach um, with Natalie's team uh, in the evenings, um, working with young people to help them exercise and develop their uh, habits. Awesome. You guys are doing great work. And I'm really excited to share some more of your insights and strategies. Um, I love that, you know, you're in the schools day to day. So you're really seeing the impacts of disorganized kids and students, but then also you're seeing what your strategies can do to help them as you're offering them and implementing them. So getting some real life experience to back all all of that up. Um, Let's start, I think, by talking about what are the common ways that you see disorganization and planning struggles in um, teens especially with ADHD, but it's definitely most common uh, with kids with ADHD or even autism. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the disorganization comes in two major ways. One is disorganization with their stuff, their materials, their belongings, all of the things um, that they carry around with them all day, but also their things at home that are in their room. So one is the stuff. The other is their time. They have a really hard time organizing their time you know, knowing how much time something is going to take, for example, or also being able to plan ahead and realize, you know, that project that's due in history in two weeks is probably something that I shouldn't wait until the night before to start mm-hmm. working on. So organizing their time is the second way that I see a lot of kiddos struggling in terms of their organization. Yeah. And there's a lot of planning skill that goes behind organizing your time and managing your time that, you know, all of these things that we're talking about are executive functioning skills and, and really common deficits for kids with ADHD. Um, 
where do you want to start as far as talking about what we can do about it? So we're seeing kids who are maybe not getting their homework done, not getting it turned in, their backpack or their locker is a mess. Um, you know, they're not managing their time well, maybe assignments are late. Where do you start with a student like that to help them to build these skills and be able to succeed? Well, I think the one thing that a lot of parents and, and even maybe teachers um, actually get wrong is forcing a management system that may not be right for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it has to be more of a compromise in regards that not everything may be color-coded and numerically organized. Um, and that a lot of times when we force them to use a system that is beyond their skill set, it can become very defeating and they end up becoming, you know, even more disorganized because the system in itself is almost too simulating or, or over their head. Um, and so I, I'm actually a big believer in having them kind of take a look at different different systems and identifying the things that they like and dislike about those systems before they commit to one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have a, a student in mind in particular that I specifically remember, it, it, frankly, for me, it drove me nuts. He would have <laughs> one of those um, binders that are um, accordion. And that is just like a a heart attack. Now, I may not be completely color-coded, but I definitely am a three-ring binder girl all day, every day. What what I And when I see an accordion, I'm just like, how do you stay organized? It it didn't matter, though, because it worked for him. And me trying to force a three-ring binder on him would be such a... um, something that really wouldn't work because Mm -hmm. he was really staying organized with his accordion binder. It was working for him. So why force something that is too much? If I had put that on him, he would have became more disorganized and defeated. And to me, um, not only do I want to see him be proud and feel esteem from his actual um, organization process, but then utilize it. So, you know, it really yeah. is twofold of making sure they're picking a system that works for them, not necessarily what is accommodating to mom, dad, or the teacher. Yeah. And that's so important. You know, there's so many articles on um, ADHD out there that say color-coded, color-coded. And, you know, we tried that out early on and it was still too much stuff to manage for my son. And yep. so the very common um, recommendation didn't work for us. And then I had to start playing with, okay, what are the other options? Let's start looking at other options and figuring out what will work um, for him. Mm-hmm. and you know, not, not really putting, not to say not putting value in those recommendations, but just not, not feeling like those are the be all end all. And if my kid can't follow that recommendation from somebody, then it must be a failure on my part or my child's. And you're right. You know, the kids are going to, to internalize that they're going to see it as another weakness within themselves. They couldn't stay organized Mm -hmm. like their peers. And now we've given them an organizational system and they couldn't use that either. It was really detrimental. Yeah. I think of this in a way and and just to relate it maybe to the audience a little bit. Um, 
I was just organizing my jewelry. Okay. And I went, I, it took me like two years. And if you had saw all of my jewelry, it was a mess and probably like everybody would be appalled. I mean, it was just clutters and clutters. And I had these trays. It wasn't working for me. It took me months and months and months to figure out what I wanted. When I went to the store, there were all these different options. Not one option worked for every person. Right. I then realized I needed clear trays so I could see things and pull things out. And I was like, oh, there's my option. That's what is going to work for me. We have to remember there is a human element in this and that raw recommendations, and I'm not saying recommendations are wrong. They are helpful and insightful, but they're not set in stone. And we have to remember that there is a person and a human behind this. Mm -hmm. And we have to adapt things that foster um, them to build on it. Maybe one day they'll get to a new level. But right in the beginning, why try to eat the whole watermelon when one slice is all you can handle at the moment? You right. know, it's just, it's too much. Yeah. Um, and and you, you don't want that to occur. So, you know, it took me a long time to figure it out. And I, I think when I, you know, now I am a pretty organized person, but like we all have our days. And so we have to relate that moment where you're frustrated to our child. So true. Yeah. And, you know, just not, no matter how many times you have to go through something different, you have to try something different try something different, just staying positive about it and knowing that eventually you're going to find the, the unique thing that works for your unique child. You know, we, we're talking about individuals here. Like you said, there's human beings that we're talking about and, and what works for me isn't going to work for you or vice versa, potentially. And that's okay accepting that that's okay is a big thing too, I think. Yes. And I'll also add to that, that sometimes it can be tricky to figure out, you know, what it is about a particular system that works or doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important. You know, if you're going to try a couple of different systems, you know, if you're going to switch, make sure you have that conversation with your teenager or your child about, you know, what was it that didn't work for you? You know, maybe it's, you needed something electronic versus paper, or maybe you, you didn't like the color coding, but what is it that you did like? And maybe we can find an element of that in the next tool that we try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of approaching it like um, a yeah. science experiment. I know that a lot of things that we exactly. do by trial and error like that, we will talk about it as though it's a science experiment because a lot of kids can really get into that. They really um, can become kind of excited about that sort of exploration. So, um, you know, trial and error is is appropriate for this kind of thing, but it also can be really beneficial when you're really studying what's happening and and adjusting. Why don't we talk about? Yes, I'm thinking of a particular. Go ahead. Sorry about that, Penny. That's okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking of a particular student that I that I worked with whose parents set on her getting her assignment notebook signed by her teachers at the end of every period. And they pushed it and pushed it for a year. They got frustrated with teachers who wouldn't sign. The poor girl was embarrassed. Like it was just, it was a tough situation for about a year, but they were determined that that was the system that was going to communicate which assignments were due when. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working with the student for over a year and a half now. And she told me that she likes having something paper and pencil, but she doesn't want to have it signed. The assignment notebook she thought was too big. 
she now, Penny, this is so funny. She has, it's probably a three inch by three inch. It is so tiny little notebook that Mm -hmm. she uses to write down her assignments. And that is finally the system that she has maintained for, oh gosh, maybe six months now. Um, You know, it's the beginning of this school year and last school year, but who would have ever thought that a tiny little notebook with her favorite emoji on the front is what would be the organizational system that worked for her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there really are so many options. Yeah. And we just don't, Mm -hmm. we don't think outside the box, you know, you go to school, you have notebooks, you have binders, you might have, you know, accordion files or file folders. And, um, you know, we don't tend to think about all the other possibilities because we're still stuck in kind of making our kids fit in a system where they don't necessarily. And I think, again, this is something that translates for a lot of kids, not just kids with ADHD. You know, if we let them all do it their way, what works for them, I think a lot of kids would have much more success at school. Um, I wanted to talk about the importance of planning the week ahead, like planning with our kids, because I know that this is really helpful in building that skill. You know, if they're lagging in time management and planning an organization, that can be a really helpful skill building strategy, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we even suggest something as simple as kind of setting up a weekly meeting with your child that maybe always happens, for example, on Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. Um, And you look at what's coming ahead in the week to come, you know, not only with your academics. So, you know, what homework is due, what big projects or tests you have coming up, but then also looking at your extracurricular activities, you know, oh, we've got soccer tonight at 830. You know, that means we have to make sure we have dinner before. Um, What family events are coming up in the week that might be outliers and not part of our regular routine. So just really having that conversation before the week starts. So you are prepped ahead of time and your team is prepped um, ahead of time with what is to come in the week ahead um, so that they can plan for that. Um, The same student that I was mentioning earlier with the uh, assignment notebook, she had a really hard time with this where she felt like everything was a surprise to her. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have time to do my homework. I didn't realize tonight was soccer. Oh, and we had that family dinner with Aunt Carol who came in town. Um, But once we started working on this skill and looking at the week ahead, she knew to plan her time accordingly where that Monday night, she didn't really have time for homework, but we knew that that would have to wait until Tuesday or Wednesday um, if we could manage that. Yeah. And I think that's a big Um, deal too for kids is knowing what's coming. Um, And, and, to the emotional planning aspect, right? Not only do they maybe need to physically plan for something or make sure they get homework done a day ahead because they have something else coming up that they don't usually have, but just being prepared, I think, emotionally um, is a big deal as well. And having that information ahead of time certainly helps with that. Well, I also think it decreases the um, the defeat. You know, mm. there, there's so much emotion that comes with um, time management and stress management and the guilt that comes with it. Because, I mean, we kind of put a a label on all teens overall that they struggle with time management and they can't handle it. And so I feel like, um, (laughs) reminds me of Catholic guilt. uh, (laughs) It's like, oh, 
you have it. Like you're supposed to feel guilty. And it's like, okay, are, do you really need to feel guilty about this? And when you plan, then you feel less guilty because you're like, you know what? I know when I'm going to do this. And it's such, um, it's so important for them to, to be able to remove as parents and then also as the teen to be able to remove the emotion from the situation and look at it from an objective perspective. But yeah. also as a parent, I know how frustrating it is when you have said and said and said, and then it didn't happen and you can't help but be angry or frustrated or disappointed or feel like you're hitting your head up against the wall. So, you know, it's very easy to sit and say, oh, you know, take the emotion out of it. Well, yeah, you weren't sitting there for the last five days, me hounding somebody. And, right. and that's where that comes from. So it's like, by setting it up, it can, it can remove that negative feeling that often comes with it and then creates defeat. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think writing it out too and posting it. So if you're going to sit down and make a family schedule for the week, post it somewhere, let your team um, reference it and be able to, again, you know, they're not trying to remember what's coming up and what's happening three days from now, along with everything else they're trying to remember, you know, which is another um, skill that's often lagging is working memory. So, you know, being very clear about that schedule in writing and expectations is, is huge. Oh, absolutely. We love the idea of posting it somewhere that it's visual and just reviewing once in the beginning of the week, but then also checking in, um, several times throughout the week to say, you know, remember the leave for soccer, for example, backward planning almost, um, and making sure to readdress and look again at that calendar, not just in the beginning of the week to lay it all out, but then also, I mean, even day to day, sometimes talking about what to expect that day and how we're going to have to shift things, um, so that we can accommodate everything that is within our schedule. Yeah. I actually, if we have anything that's different from our normal routine, I remind my son about it the afternoon before, and then the morning, but of whatever is going to happen that day that doesn't usually happen before he goes to mm-hmm. school because I want to completely make sure that he's had time to absorb it, be good with it, know that the schedule is changing, you know, all of those things that can be triggering sometimes um, for kids with ADHD. So, and and he's almost 17. I mean, I'm doing this with mm-hmm. um, a teenager in high school, but it's super helpful because when something comes up that he doesn't remember or didn't hear me say, um, then there's a lot of emotion. (laughs) Then there's that, you know, outburst. Yeah. One of our favorite tools or life hacks um, for helping teens to remember things is the reminder app that's on your phone. Um, Because even if you've heard something from a parent, you know, earlier in the day, maybe even two or three times, you know, you're not with your teenager all day to remind them of something right before it happens. So we like to teach our teenagers how to set a reminder um, that just comes across the screen on their phone, doesn't even have to make a noise, but you can set it you know, 15 minutes before or an hour before or two hours before something is going to happen. And to be honest, I use that constantly. I think my Mm -hmm. husband is, (laughs) I use sound, but my husband is always driven crazy by my alarms or my reminders because, you know, they go off. Um, But I know that I have to have those in order um, to remember to do things because more often than not, you know, an alarm or reminder will go off and I'll go, oh yeah, that's right. Even if it's something that I've already 
thought about earlier that day. I need that extra reminder. So we teach our teams how to set those reminders. Um, if that's a tool that they enjoy, um, we encourage them to use that. What other different types of organizational tools do you all recommend or do you see working for some of your clients, your teens with ADHD? I'll share one that really helps our teenagers who have a hard time with focusing while they're, um, you know, sitting down to get some tasks done. Um, kind of goes along with the organization, keeping your mind organized and on task. We really like an app called Forest. Um, and mm. the way that Forest works is you set a certain amount of time on there that you want to sit and stay focused. Uh, you know, for example, it might be 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and if you cannot touch your phone for that 10 or 15 minutes, Forest grows a little tree for you. And it sounds so silly, but the teenagers really like to see their forest of trees grow. Um, and if you touch your phone and you break your concentration, I think the tree like withers and dies or, <laughs> or it doesn't grow. Um, and so it's just like, it's almost like a little game, but mm -hmm. if your teenager needs to sit and focus on something that they have scheduled into their day, you know, perhaps it's homework time. I've, I've organized my time this afternoon and I know that I need to finish my homework before that soccer practice. So I have one hour. I'm going to use the Forest app to help me stay focused for at least that first 20 minutes and then maybe I'll take a break. So we love that Forest app. Um, I know it's available on iPhone and Android, but that's one that our kids seem to really like. I haven't heard of that one. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's cute. Any other tools? Yeah, actually one that I have really liked using personally and I plan to introduce um, to some of my students this week is called Asana, A-S-A-N-A. -A. It's kind of like an electronic to-do list um, where you can set due dates. You can also set it up so Asana emails you every day saying what your tasks are that are due that day or if you can just use it as a running to-do list um, without necessarily having due dates. So for me, I have two different I'll call them profiles within Asana. So I have one for my personal life, like tasks that I know I need to get done, like sign up my kids for swim lessons or pick up the right. bananas from the grocery store. Um, and then the other one is more work-oriented, um, things that I need to get done for work or for helping one of the students that we coach. So for a teenager, um, you know, to put it into terms that they would understand, we would have them maybe just use one profile because one it might be enough for them. But if they need two, one is for their personal life and things they have to get done, but then another is for their academics. Um, it's a nice way of looking at things visually. You can see a calendar view, you can see a month at a glance, or you can just see, hey, what do I have coming up that's due today? What do I have that's coming up the rest of the week? Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea of really using the tools that we use as adults. We need to be introducing those tools to um, our kids earlier so that they um, have that support and that learning how to use it, how to um, leverage what it can do for you before they're kind of left on their own to figure things out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once you find a tool or an app or a life hack that works for you, there is something just so, to me, exciting and rewarding about finally finding something. You know, it really sounds silly, but it can be life-changing. <laughs> uh, Post-its yeah. has a free application. If you just go to the Post-its website, gosh, I hope they still have it. It's been a while since I've looked at it. Um, but you can have Post-its that are electronic that live on your um, screen on your laptop. And I used to use those constantly instead of having physical post-its, they would just live on the home screen of my computer. And I loved that one. Another that cool. one that I use is um, actually Alexa. 
you can create lists on there. And so we have a grocery list and I'll tell you why I love it because we'll just be standing wherever and I can just say, Alexa, you know, add da, 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 da. And then I, to my grocery list or to my target list. And it's, my kids love it. Well, my kids are little, so they love it for reasons they like talking to her. Um, But I also appreciate it because then I can put that app on my phone and then go to that list at any time and look at it. And that has actually been a really great tool in my house that we've really enjoyed lately. Yeah. And I've really read about a lot of people using Alexa in a lot of different ways for um, kids with disabilities, even Mm -hmm. with homework when they get stuck or, you know, asking for a particular fact that they forgot. Um, Mm -hmm. So many different ways using it um, as a timer. Someone was talking about that to me recently, and I really need to dive into that more. We, We ordered one and then people were playing music, but it wasn't really being used for anything really helpful, which was the intention. Right. We need to kind of dive back in, but like just the, the grocery list thing and being able yep. to just say it is amazing. Like when I'm cooking and my hands are messy mm-hmm. and then I have to wipe them off and open the phone. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Plus everybody the other- then has access to that information and you can share the information. Exactly. And the other, I actually, there's two other ones that Alexa, um, the timer we use all the time in my house. Um, and then the other one we use, um, is that you can say like, Alexa, tell me about my day or good morning, Alexa. And you can set it up where she will tell you, I mean, it could be as, you know, I don't know, like it'll tell you a fun fact and then she'll tell you about like, what your day looks like for the day and the weather. So, mm. you know, for kids that are, don't want, can't, don't have the ability to like open up their book and read through what it says. If they wake up and Alexa knows that they're awake because they played a song or whatever, it can immediately tell them what their day is going to look like and what they need to remember. And so, I mean, of course, that would be attached to the calendar, but that is such an amazing tool because we can start implementing those reminders so quickly um, and make it part of, you know, your family culture, mm-hmm. um, which then becomes second nature. And mom and dad aren't nagging. Right. Like, we get to step out of that equation. And no, I think Alexa that, that removes some of the the emotion from it, you know, when we nag in the morning. I mean, I'm just thinking like reminders for brushing teeth and right? putting on deodorant and all of these things right. that I'm still have to remind at 16. Um, yeah, the possibilities are really endless. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's that's a cop-out or, you know, you can't depend on a computer, but that's really the reality of our world now. Why not use the tools that are available to us? You know, if kids struggle with remembering to do things or, you know, even they're getting ready in the morning routine, why not implement these sort of tools and help them to succeed? I agree. I think like, why? that's silly. I mean, we, it's there, it's available. Let's, let's be smart about, about this. Like, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the easy way out because our kids' neurology is different. And, you know, their brain is just not going to get up in the morning, remember everything that needs to get done, get it done in sequential order, and immediately be ready to walk out the door without any distraction. It's just not reality. Um, so why not use, you know, the tools that are available for help? It, it just makes complete sense to me. I, I never like to hear that argument about, well, they need to learn, you know, we hear it so often, but they really don't because that's just not the way their brain works. Um, well, you know, they are learning, they're learning systems that work for them. And I think yes. it's about reframing the idea and not forcing something. They're learning something. They're utilize. they're learning how to utilize a tool that supports them. And that's how we have to look at it. Not that they're not using something. They are, they, they are taking the time to do whatever they have to do that it is giving them information, which is allowing them to find success in their day and then reach their goals. And if that isn't something to hang your hat on, then I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. And reframing, the word reframing, I mean, that's really exactly what we're doing as parents of kids with differences is we need to reframe for ourselves, for our own mindset, and then, you know, think about different options. What are different ways to still succeed um, for our kids to be able to um, manage and then find their own success in their own way? Do you want to talk about procrastination a little bit? Because I know that this is um, a really big sticking point for parents of teens, especially. Um, and I think also a lot of times what looks like procrastination isn't really procrastination. So yeah. I was hoping we could dive into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the, the first thing that comes to mind when we're talking about procrastination is that people are always trying to look for strategies to eliminate it. And I just frankly think that that's never going to happen. We are humans. Even as adults, we all procrastinate. We all put yeah. off things that don't feel good to us in the moment or that we you know, don't feel equipped to do. So I like to try to reframe that in terms of not getting rid of procrastination, but trying to find some tools or life hacks to help reduce the amount of procrastinating we do. Um, and just find, again, it's a matter of finding tools. Um, and I also feel like you were right on, Penny, when you said that procrastination might have some other underlying causes. Mm -hmm. um, so we really encourage the teams that we coach to take a look um, at what is causing their procrastination. So I'm going to use a history project, for example. You know, if you have waited until the night before to start your history project, there is a reason for that. It could be that you forgot. It also could be that you didn't know where to start or mm -hmm. you didn't understand the directions, or you looked at it, but you felt so overwhelmed that you just chose to shut down instead of trying to take a baby step forward. And yes. all of those reasons are completely justified. We just have to figure out what the root cause is and then give them the tools to work through that initial barrier so that they can get started and start moving on something. So you're right. There's always some type of underlying reason for procrastinating. It is not laziness. You know, we can all be lazy, yes. but there's usually something else that's going on at the same time. Yes. And I like it's to call laziness self-care. Right. Right. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because the minute um, you started talking about it and Natalie can't read my mind, but she often does, um, I, I immediately thought, well, no, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like my brain doesn't go to 
oh, they're putting it off, they're procrastinating, my brain immediately says, well, why? Like the why is what I automatically go to. And so she nailed it on the head when, when she described the why, because there's a reason that the procrastination is occurring. And so we have to pull that apart and examine it. And that way we can address it um, and give them tools and strategies to not be either intimidated or to feel so overwhelmed that they don't know where to start or to avoid it because they don't understand the information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, that to me is so valuable. In a lot of ways, I think it's the, the key. Absolutely. It's totally the key. And it can be something like um, a learning disability coming into play too, or feeling less confident. So say the history project was an essay and my child is not a good writer. He's not confident in writing. Um, You know, then we as parents can either step in and help, but we could also go to the teacher and ask for other ways that the project can be done. Um, And I have found that a lot of teachers in high school are pretty pretty open to this. And some teachers are even starting to offer projects in this way. Here's the information we're studying. You're going to put it in this project. We're going to work on this project for two weeks. You can do an essay, a poster, or a video. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they get to choose something that goes to their strengths. And I think we we would find that kids are a lot less um, vulnerable to procrastination when they get to choose how they're going to do something. Um, But I think too, sometimes learning disabilities that haven't been identified yet are a really big reason for avoidance and procrastination behavior. Totally agree. And one of the skills that we like to teach our teenagers too is how to break down a big overwhelming project like that so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe even breaking it down into smaller pieces with, you know, intermittent due dates. So yeah, this is a a giant project, but this week, this is the only part we're going to focus on. Just put blinders on. Don't think about the whole project. We are just going to pick your topic. And that's our goal by the end of the week. So if we can teach our teenagers how to break it down, that doesn't feel so heavy or so daunting. And they're less likely to put it off because just taking one small bite at a time or one small baby step doesn't feel you know, nearly as stressful as just looking yeah. at the whole project at one time. Yeah. I'm finding that yeah. that's offered a lot more in high school too. And it may just be because my son is in inclusion classes for math and English. So it may be that they do it more in there um, to help them break it down and give them yeah. incremental due dates. But um, hopefully it's happening in a lot of ways because I think, you know, again, we're I hear from teachers, we're trying to teach them responsibility or accountability. Um, And if you're talking about someone neurotypical, then that will tend to work. But with Mm -hmm. somebody who doesn't have these organization skills like we're talking about or the time management, um, you know, they need that extra helping hand. Um, But I would also encourage parents to, if you're going to chunk a project, do it with your child. Facilitate, don't do it for them. Don't write up a schedule for them because you're not helping them to be able to do it next time um, or even to think about where to start to do it next time. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is a couple of things popped into my mind that I want to try to say. And the first is, um, there are a lot, you were right. There are a lot of teachers who are differentiating 
their instruction because Mm -hmm. it it is, you know, known as an effective tool for teaching. Um, And at the beginning of the school year, a a friend of mine who I, I work with found a website and I apologize, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it actually allows you to take PowerPoints and then do a voiceover on them. And the first thing that came from her was she said, this will be great for kids who have anxiety, who can't present in front of the class because this allows their presentation to be heard without them, you know, having a panic attack or, or feeling so anxious that they can't articulate themselves. And I thought, wow, that is great. And then the second part to it was that we, we were talking about how to really tape your lectures or tape whatever you're trying to say. And then if somebody's absent, they can then watch it at home. Um, but it goes both ways. So it's just a, such a great um, tool to utilize. Um, and so, yes, I do believe that teachers are really starting to look at different options and pathways um, for kids to be able to express and show that they can do things. The second thing I wanted to comment on was when you had talked about not setting up the schedule for your teen or your child. And I think that there is so much value in that comment because half of this experience comes from the fact that you sit down and you say, geez, are you able to do that much tonight? Mm -hmm. Or is that too much? Or last night you were able to get that done do you think you can do the same amount tonight? Um, can you do more or less? You know, and, and that evaluation and everybody laughs at me because I always talk about the step that everybody forgets. I was just talking about in my classroom today because we were doing problem solving. The step that everybody forgets is reflection and evaluation. Um, because yeah. that's where growth comes from. And that's how we become better people is by evaluating and saying, And if mom or dad is creating that schedule, there's no evaluation. There's no reflection on it. It's just, here's the schedule. And I see value in it. I get it. Like it's done. But if we aren't sitting with them and making sure that they're actually like that they can do it, then we're setting them up for failure then. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any parent wants to do that. No. No. And it is so much easier just to do it ourselves. I mean, I was that parent for so long. It was so much easier to pick things up behind my little tornado, you know, but I realized that I was not teaching him anything by doing it. You know, I had to take the extra time. I had to take the extra, maybe hit to my frustration level um, and work through things because that's the only way we're going to build those skills. And that's really what we're after. That's the whole goal is to raise kids who can be happy, successful adults in whatever definition of those words, whatever that looks like for them, and to be, you know, successful in taking care of themselves. And the things that we're talking about are really important when you're an adult and you're on your own. They're, you know, life skills. They're, they're super important. Otherwise you're not going to be successful. So really by taking the extra time, we're making sure that our kids can succeed, that we're setting them up for that opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's going to take some work. It's going to take some tears. It's going to take some conversations. Um, and that's okay because we know that up front. 
Um, but Allison and I and the other coaches um, at Life Success for Teens also really like quick and easy and free <laughs> solutions yeah. um, that don't require a lot of that too. You know, you could call them life hacks. Um, and so I just want to encourage your listeners, if they want to take a look at some of those life hacks um, that we suggest for families, those are listed for free on our website. Um, and I can even send you the link, um, Penny, if you want to put it in the show notes. But we yeah. love tips and tricks and life hacks you know, that can just make your life easier. So I'm happy to share those. Yeah, I will definitely link them up in the show notes. Anything else as we wrap up on our time together that we haven't talked about that you wanted to be sure to mention on this topic? You know, just kind of as a, a wrap-up comment, I would say this is a this is a topic, organizing your team, that can be very daunting and frustrating. And as a parent, it can feel like a very long emotional uphill battle, but I would say that it's one that is absolutely worth the fight um, because it is going to help your teenagers so much in the long run. And sometimes we have to fight the battles to win the war. And this is absolutely one of those times. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Well said. So for everybody listening, you can get the show notes for this episode at parentingadhdandautism.com slash 068 for episode 68. And I do encourage you to check out the website, use the free tools and insights that they offer. And I want to thank you both again for being here. I always enjoy our conversations. I always learn something new from you every time we talk. And it's just such valuable information for our parents. Thank you, Penny. Thanks. It's a pleasure. And I'll see everyone on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. If you connected with this episode, please share it on social media. Be sure to visit parentingadhdandautism.com to join the conversation and take advantage of Penny's online courses and summits, retreats, parent coaching, and fantastic bonus content.